she said. Um, I took a little break last week just because lots of things really, and I'm not going to really go into them here, although that makes it sound pretty more dramatic because I'm just knackered. Um, I'm in my third trimester now, so, and also climate change is real and kicking, alive and kicking. <laughs> it's really, really freaking hot. <laughs> in fact, as I record this intro, um, I've got all the, all the windows open, so you are going to hear some of Brighton's famous noises, aka seagulls, <laughs> perhaps some wind, so apologies for that. Um, listen to the seagulls, they're going crazy, I think they're hot. So okay, it's still so freaking hot, but let's get back to today's episode. This week's episode, I chat with Sarah Stars about how she became such a kick-ass virtual assistant, aka a VA, navigating childcare um, and beating the ups and downs of freelancer income. Sarah, um, I interviewed her for the for season three of the podcast, and I've linked um, the I've linked that in the show notes. But she started out blogging and creating courses, even doing coaching before burning out and taking meander into nannying for a little bit. And we talked about that much more in the previous episode, before she settled into VA life. Sarah is a truly incredible VA, at full disclosure. She used to be my VA, and she was just amazing. And I love how she gets over the feast-to-famine vibes of freelance life using client retainers. It's my usual no-bullshit chat with someone (laughs) who is truly excellent and uh, gives some really, really good practical advice. So this is great for anybody who wants to hire a VA. Um, Sarah's got lots of tips. Um, And if you want to become one, this is definitely an essential listen. As ever, you can support me on Patreon. It's just patreon.com forward slash lucylucraft. Um, you can come and find me or Sarah through our handles, which are in the show notes. I'm Lucy Lucraft. She's at Sarah Stars underscore on Instagram. Um, and listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, I forgot to mention the five star reviews. I'll talk about them next week. But there were some five star reviews this week. And I want to thank you so, 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 so much for taking the time to rate and review the podcast. It means a lot. Okay, on with the episode. Who are you, Sarah Stars? <laughs> Where did you come from? <laughs> I'm Sarah Stars. I came from Canada. <laughs> um, somehow I've ended up living in the UK in Liverpool. Um, yeah, because I came over to live in London on a working holiday visa and then fell in love and never left <laughs> and could never survive a Canadian winter again. Um, <laughs> so... Um, we're going to chat about my work as a VA today and that's been kind of we can get into more about how I ended up there and yeah it was kind of a a meandering route to get there and has ended up for me being the really perfect way to be I'm like I guess a work at home mom people call it I until recently had zero childcare for my nearly two-year-old um, and being a VA has been a flexible way to be able to work around his nap schedule and in the evenings um but that's a bit of a mental um, manic way to work so now I do have a, a babysitter two days a week but anyways um so yeah we're going to get into the VA stuff but I also am really passionate about talking about um my kind of low impact living journey and also the importance of menstrual cycle awareness and um 
yeah, just my general witchy mama, peaceful parenting <laughs> life. Um, so there's all of that that you can find me doing as well. So I think I first came across you, we both did the same um, ch- tranche of the Insta retreat. Yes. And was I pregnant or had I, I just had a nose? No, I was pregnant. But you I were was pregnant, further yeah. along than you. Mm-hmm. Which was exciting for me to get to mm. get little peeks of what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> and now Peter and Anais are fairly close in age. So, but like, I feel like their journeys were sort of similar. Totally. Until yeah. fairly recently <laughs> when Peter dropped his mouth and I was like, oh. nope. <laughs> yeah, I'll pray for you and the sleep. Well, I think Anais has always been a better sleeper. Peter's like somehow never needed that much sleep, but I... I could use more. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so chill. He, I feel like he's a lot more um, introverted. He's a lot more introverted than Anais is. He's That's super social. I, I mean, he's way more extroverted than I am. Mm. And I mean, like, he's like, um, I don't know if he's chill. I mean, he's gone through a big developmental leap and he's super uh got some full-on emotions at the moment (laughs) he doesn't want to do anything I would like him to do but yeah it's all part of it isn't it (laughs) anyway I digress in talking about our babies but um by the way Sarah Star's baby Peter is the (laughs) he's just everything (laughs) he is the cutest and so so is Anais Hence why they're secretly betrothed. Yeah, nobody knows that yet. And we're crossing all sorts of ethical boundaries with this. Totally. We don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about your journey to becoming a VA and how that started. Because I think, so you were on an episode in series two, which I will refer people back to if they want a bit of background on your kind of blogging journey. But there was a part of your journey when you were in London when you um stopped what you were doing and became a nanny for a little bit yeah um gosh yeah I was thinking about how so that must have been just over a year ago that we recorded that episode Mm. and you know didn't have any childcare. and Peter was fairly young and I think I like had him in the sling and walked around the house while we recorded that so it's Mm. like just such different times um yeah so I had really I'd been blogging on and off for I don't know, like five years at that point had gotten really sucked into that idea that like to make money, I needed to become a coach. And I mean, I know you've got a a whole episode about that with SAS. I had no business becoming a coach, a life coach, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like did not have the training. Um, But really, I'd done a couple of successful online courses about um, the kind of tools and practices that had helped me really um, boost my self-esteem and self-love. And I'd shared those with people fairly successfully. But then, like, yeah, it got really sucked into some of those online business courses that were, like, teaching you a formula. And this is how you have to do things to sell courses and make money and be a coach. And I um, suffered really badly from burnout because I was working full time in a charity. I was blogging every day. I was putting on those courses. I was doing everything. I started a podcast um, and, you know, not surprisingly, burnt out really badly Um. And took some, yeah, quit my day job and my husband um, and I just really scaled back our lifestyle so I could work part-time as a nanny and figure out what was more sustainable for me. And the thing about coaching that, um, you know, not only did I, was I not qualified to be doing it at that point, but I was um, 
it's just you're constantly having to look for your next client. I think that's mm-hmm. part of why coaches have to charge so much money is because not only are you paying for the time that they're coaching you, but they have to spend a huge amount of time on marketing themselves because they're big ticket packages. And um, yeah, you're constantly looking for your next client. And I just realized that the place that I was in with my health and my mental health and knowing that we wanted to have a baby soon, um, I wanted to have, I wanted to work for myself, but I also wanted to have a more stable reliable income, which is kind of like, um, the freelancer unicorn, but with, (laughs) with virtual assistant, um, work, I did manage that. And, um, I just found that the work came in really easily. I had, you know, I had taught myself everything. Like I can do basic website stuff, email marketing, kind of had all these skills. And, um, especially having started my own podcast from scratch, there's lots of people starting podcasts that need that support. Mm. Um, so I kind of realized that by having um, a specific bed business model that we can talk about for being a virtual assistant, that I could have that freedom of working from home, some flex, you know, the flexibility, not have to work as many hours. Um, but I'll, yeah, not also have to have a day job. So I was, did, I think I've more or less, you know, got the unicorn now. Yeah. But I think that's because you're a unicorn and I should say that Sarah Aww. was my VA and is, I mean, I, life without Sarah as my VA is infinitely worse and every time and it's funny because at the moment when I'm doing my show notes and just whenever I'm doing stuff I'm like oh Sarah would do it so much better (laughs) it's true it's just it's like when someone cooks you a meal it could taste exactly like the meal you would have cooked but you didn't have to do it yourself so it tastes so much better well okay we'll agree to disagree there but you are incredibly efficient and I I just feel like you're a I don't want to say born VA because I don't even think that sounds very flattering, but it really, your skill set is so suited to that kind of, um, to that role, which um, we were kind of talking offline, but I guess it might be online based on how I'm editing the podcast now mm-hmm. about um, how VA, virtual assistant work can sometimes be really missold to bloggers as a natural step for them to do a bit like coaching um or creating courses or whatever it can be sold as hey you're a blogger you've got all these skills you could be a VA why couldn't you be a VA you know do you know what I mean or social media management or whatever yeah yeah and I mean to be like so I maybe the like no one ever sold it to me I kind of found this path for myself and no one ever suggested that I become a VA that I remember but it was like that that through blogging and you know I I was making a little bit of money, but not very much money through blogging. Like I didn't have any money to hire someone to do things like sales funnels or put together online courses. Like I, and I'm also like can be um, pretty cheap. So I would, <laughs> I would have figured out how to DIY it. And even if I did have more money, probably. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and like many bloggers, you have to DIY it. So mm. I had, I had built that skill set, And for me, it did end up being um, a really natural fit but I could see how for other people who maybe you know I'd been a um a freelance journalist and writer in a another life in Canada um where I learned the hard way a lot of freelancer skills like there's a lot of things I guess that you would naturally acquire from blogging and others that you that you wouldn't and I think a lot of it's also like a personality thing does it fit Mm. does it bring you the kind of um yeah, does it match those kind of work values or like needs that you have? And for some people that would be true and some people it wouldn't. I mean, if anyone tells you that there's like one, you know, career path that's like a good fit for every blogger, I would just run the other way. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's more than just 
because I've I've definitely learned a lot of skills through blogging and and it's led me to the path that I'm on now and I think I 100% accept that I'm really good at educating but I am terrible at um uh like doing social media management and I know I would be a hideous virtual assistant I've never done it I've only ever done social media management but I was so bad at it but I can do it all for my for myself and do it some of it I can do pretty well but even Pinterest which I'm really good at I'm I'm really good at explaining to other people educating other people consulting or training them on how to do it but if I had to take over someone's Pinterest account I just wouldn't be good at it. And I've done it for friends, like, you know, just on a, a kind of quid pro quo kind of situation, um, scenario even. But uh, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't suit me at all that, because there's a, a, a kind of piece of the puzzle that I'm missing that makes me really bad at that side of things. That's interesting. And I guess that's what I mean, where it's like, because to me, you definitely have the skills that you could do it. But it, it's, again, maybe like that thing about, what are your kind of needs um, in a work situation? Um, whereas I think maybe you handle the ups and downs of or the feast and famine cycle of freelancer life better than I do. That really, I hate it. <laughs> um, and so that's why this be, the, the kind of model I've done for VA works really well for me, whereas with mm. the selling courses and that kind of stuff, um, I really struggled with the ups and downs and not having the steady income yeah. um but then obviously you know there's things like you are still you know you, you are your own boss but you still have your clients as bosses which mm-hmm. I know um yeah, that's true when you're doing your courses obviously you still have to deliver to your customers mm-hmm. but there's like a little bit you're you're even a bit more free yes yeah. um but financially things might be more up and down so I think it's just that thing of like and sometimes you know I've done different um, self-employment models and sometimes you just have to try things and realize because you could be a VA and not have a steady income like there are people who do more project-based VA work and I tried that and I don't like it because again the income is too up and down I like having people on retainer and I work for them every month um, and if you know if one client you know is, um, you know like you were starting your new consulting services and didn't need someone for a little while like it's just filling one client spot rather than you know, doing one big project at a time and having to continuously, like the life coach, like continuously find a new big client. Like, I just don't like that model. But I think it's knowing yourself well enough to know what types of work and what business models will kind of fit your needs. And maybe nothing is 100% perfect. Um, Yeah. But knowing the best, the most important pieces for you. Yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, Yeah, and when you said trying a few things out to just being honest with yourself the parts of what you've tried which bits worked which bits didn't work so I'd love to talk about your specific business model as a VA and how you've made because I would I've worked with three different VAs and all three of you have worked in a slightly different way and and you and I worked together really really well together it was just quite a good natural fit for me um and a couple of things I picked up on was that you are very intuitive with your clients and I think and it felt very seamless I didn't I off I didn't really have to give you too much direction because you you 
don't know, like, I don't know how to really word it. And I think that comes down to the fact that you, A, attract your kind of dreamiest clients, but also that you are very clear on the type of clients that you want to work with and don't want to work with. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, again, that's been a a process of experimentation and also getting to a place where, A, like, because... um, I'm home with Peter, like I'm not working more than a few hours a day ever. So I'm not taking on loads of work. So I can be fairly choosy. Um, but also I've got like a, I don't know, I've gotten enough word of mouth referrals and a little bit like of enough of a client roster now. But again, like I can be a bit choosy. Um, so I don't take on everything that comes my way. I, I only work with people whose work I really believe in and also that I really get. Because in the past when I was first a freelance writer and I just had to take on any work that I could to pay my bills, mm. I ended up like doing like writing the monthly newsletter for a car dealership. And like, you know, if you want to, you know, I don't even have a driver's license. Um, <laughs> so if you want to talk about like not intuitive and the amount of kind of like extra work that went into just like figuring out car terminology so those things were like I didn't really get it if I don't really get a client's um work or I don't really believe in it I just think that there's too much of a struggle and things don't feel aligned enough to do it which sounds a bit um airy-fairy but I just um from a practical perspective it's gonna I'm gonna be charging them more money because it's gonna take me more time to figure out how to like word their social media posts and stuff so my model that I do and I've been doing it mostly from the beginning but when I was um didn't have a full client roster I'd make exceptions and those exceptions usually ended up being learning experience of why to stick with this model which is I work (laughs) with people on a retainer basis so I work for with a minimum of um 10 hours a month and that means that, you know, they get charged. So I charge 300 pounds for the 10 hours a month. And that means that they um, get charged that 300 pounds, whether they send me at 10 hours worth of work or not. And I obviously would keep people posted of like, oh, you're, you know, you're not using your, all your hours for the month. Is there more that I can do? But like, it just means that a couple of times before I had this model, some people would be, um, you know, they're going through something or they're like uh, a little because. Like, the thing about hiring someone is it does take a certain amount of work to then delegate. Like you have to get a certain level of preparation. Um, you know, for example, if I'm going to be writing the copy for a blog post, but you want to give me the point form notes that you want included, you have to create those point form notes. Mm-hmm. So if someone's consistently not doing the work that they need to do to then give me the work, I didn't want to be in a position where I was kind of paying for their disorganization to yeah. be super blunt. Um, so that's kind of, built in some consistency for me and the feedback that I've gotten from clients is knowing that they have to pay that amount of money has actually been really good motivation because a lot of us do need that um, external motivation and money is obviously a really good motivator they don't want to waste that um, time that they could be having for me helping make their lives easier so it has um, people said it's kind of propelled them further in their business and their goals with making things happen than having someone that they've just charged them hourly which again would for me my income would could go up up and down really drastically it would be hard to plan my time and so having people on that retainer and then if they need a few more hours some months um we can always make that happen but trying to keep things quite consistent allows me to plan my time because some people I have um obviously like with you when I was helping with the podcast there are certain podcast tasks that I do every week Mm -hmm. and then um 
we'd have some kind of like wiggle room hours where, you know, maybe some months you need a lead magnet design or some months we needed to create some email templates or whatever it was. So there's that mix of like ongoing weekly work. And then the other thing, the, you know, the kind of one-off things. Um, so I think the feedback that I've gotten is that it works really well for clients as well. Um, there would be some people, you know, sometimes people have asked, can I do fewer hours a month in that and I, for a while, again, was like just taking on everything and said yes. So then I'd have tons of clients doing like only a few hours a month for them. And again, I quickly realized why that wasn't a good model for me. I was just pulled in too many different directions. So you're like doing 10 minutes of work here and then changing gears. And we all know from like all the kind of neuroscience of productivity that your brain just can't, you know, it's just not an efficient way to work. And I constantly felt like I was in this like doing a hundred things a day and never getting anything done, if that makes sense. So having, you know, working with a few clients in a more in-depth way and on an ongoing basis is what really works well for me. And I think for those of us who need that little bit of security um, is great. And then, you know, there's another virtual assistant who I know, and she hates that kind of work. She only wants to work on big projects and she wants the variety of doing something completely different, having to completely different clients month to month. And she thrives off of that and off of doing the marketing to get new clients. Um, so I think even within this one field, there's so much variety for different skill sets and for different personalities for sure. Yeah. And I guess if you're doing it full time as well, um, but, and some people do it, um, alongside alongside a full-time job right starting out it's nice to be able to have a few different ways of working and I I don't know I have never worked with anyone on a project basis so actually I didn't even think that was a thing but what I suppose yeah of course like maybe a new website launch or totally or even like the initial setup of a podcast Mm. or um yeah like um you know, you just switched to ConvertKit and I think you like, um, just did that all yourself, but I do know there, like, there are VAs who specialize in that kind of migration, especially if you've got really complicated set, um, yeah. funnels and tagging systems, or even just when I switched to ConvertKit and then I did end up switching back to MailChimp. But like I had that point, cause I was doing that really like formulaic online mm. business thing. I had like 50 lead magnets on my website. So I had to individually change every one of those opt-in boxes um, and lots of people just, you know, don't have time or wouldn't want to do that themselves. So hiring someone for, yeah, like something really techy or maybe designing a big ebook or whatever that is just on a one-off basis. Oh, yeah. If I ever go back to MailChimp, which I can't imagine I ever would, then I'll definitely be <laughs> hiring you again <laughs> for like a year's worth of sorting it out. Because, yeah. And by the way, ConvertKit is amazing. ConvertKit is dreamy. <laughs> just when I when I stopped, I literally just have like a tiny mailing list now mm. that I just email once a month. I just didn't need the functionality, so I didn't want to pay for it anymore. But oh, it's yeah. totally dreamy. Oh, it's just the best. So good. Anyway. I, am, I think I am, I have got an affiliate link for that now. I was about to say, I'm not an affiliate, but I definitely am. <laughs> Good, you should be. Yeah. <laughs> they're great. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about pricing and marketing. Yeah. I think these are two things, to be honest, I've only, I've only ever paid my VAs the same amount. It's, it's always seemed to work out roughly the same. Um, 250 to 300 pounds a month for around 10 hours um, yeah. but I think uh I've only worked with three and 
yeah, and I know that it can vary a bit more wildly because uh, people sometimes hire through things like Fiverr, where you might yeah. get somebody in India or the Philippines or, um, you know, somewhere where the cost of living is much cheaper and then they're paying a lot less. Yeah. So how do you set your, how did you kind of go about setting your pricing? Are you as, do you find it as hideous as I do? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I just, um, I just did some research of people who I knew who were doing that kind of work and asked around. And at the (coughs) beginning, I set my prices a little bit lower. Like, I think a lot of people fall into that mistake of like, oh, I'll set my prices a little bit lower because I'm just starting out. And you know what? Like, maybe that was the right thing to do because I did still have to work out some kinks in kind of my business model and getting, you know, getting things set up. But um I think if you've got the experience and you know what you're doing, there's no point like underpricing yourself. Um, and I think, my, yeah, my prices are fairly average. There are definitely people who with really highly skilled. And again, these are people who would, you'd probably hire more on a project basis, like really highly skilled technical um, skills or working with some of those really complicated like email marketing systems like Aweber where they do charge mm-hmm. more. And then there are definitely people Um, whether that's because they live somewhere with lower cost of living or they're just really undervaluing themselves um, who charge very little. And, you know, sometimes I'll get inquiries and they're like, well, I would only be able to charge you or pay you like 10 pounds an hour. And I'm like, that's fine. But like, I'm not going to work for 10 pounds an hour doing this. Like that doesn't work for me. I can't work enough hours at that rate to, Mm. to earn what I need to earn. And I think that's a good way to think about it as well as like, how many hours are you going to work? And if you, even if say you're working eight hours a day for your self-employed, like work, not even when I was doing this full, full time, didn't have a baby. You can't do eight hours of client work a day. Like you got to go to the bathroom. You got to make yourself lunch. You've got to do your own marketing. Um, you know, I think it's probably unrealistic to think you're going to do more than five hours of client work a day um, even doing it full time so just thinking about that like how many how much money do you need to earn a month how many client hours can you do in a week and, and pricing it a little bit that way seeing if it kind of lines up with what the averages are um yeah That's I a really I, good way of looking at it and do you have a bit of a kind of sustainable or optimum client number a month that you like to work with um I think like my ideal number I'm currently working with five clients I think ideally I'd work with maybe three or four and just be doing a Mm. few more hours um per month so I'm thinking about whether I just the problem is like I honestly just love all my clients so much so I wouldn't want to let them go but if one of them naturally like had to leave for any reason maybe I would look at expanding my work with someone else and whether that's possible um but again obviously I'm only working a few hours a day at the most off I work about 10 to 15 hours a week. Um, and because Peter's not in nursery, that kind of what I'm earning, I'm, we net the same amount of money every month because we're not paying extortionate nurseries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, again, it's like you, you, if you're not doing childcare as well, then your um, considerations of how many hours you're doing would be different and how many clients you might have to take on. And again, some people would probably really thrive by having 15 clients that they do a small amount of work for whereas I, that really just um, increases my anxiety and I feel really scattered so again I think that self-awareness of what works best for you it's kind of um, boundaries is super isn't helpful. It? totally yeah and I think like just like you know because there's the kind of like the work that isn't works so, like ha- checking in with clients if I'm checking mm. with 15 people every week 
um, which is a bit of an exaggeration, but that's just like, it's just a lot of kind of like relationship management. Yeah. And so you yeah. need to factor that in again, but again, you'll probably um, naturally by experimenting, figure out how much of that you like to have and how much, you, you know, how, how different clients want to communicate and how you want to communicate and setting those boundaries again um, is so important. I think in terms of pricing, if there's someone who's like, really looking for the cheapest person you don't want to be that person the Mm. people who the people who want the cheapest VA are the hardest clients to work with for sure they're the most demanding and want to pay you the least like it's not worth racing to the bottom and then also like I think for me being a VA can bring out a little bit of this like superhero complex that I naturally have anyway wanting to be all the things for all the people do the work the fastest the most Mm. the best um and needing to realize that, like, you know, if a client emails you, because I work with clients in different time zones, too. If, you, if I get an email at 8 p.m. at night, even if I am doing a little bit of work, it's probably best to, like, either wait and reply in the morning or boomerang it. So they you don't want to give the impression that you are available all the time. Because when people start to expect that from you, it's harder to backpedal and be like, wait, no, like, I can't contact you on the weekends or, like, it's easier to set those boundaries from the beginning, speaking from experience with someone who didn't do this sometimes, like, um, it's better to set those boundaries in the beginning rather than, um, than feeling like you need to be working all of the time. Yeah, I completely agree. And just to say that Boomerang is an amazing, um, like add on for, I think it's across all, well, I have it on my Gmail, but, um, yeah, same. I think you can use it and you can basically reply and then delay sending, by a few hours I think it's I think it's free um yeah paid options yeah and it's really good like yeah for like um you you know if you are someone who like maybe has to work evenings sometimes because you have kids or whatever Mm -hmm. to to make it look like you only work in normal work hours but also like when I went on maternity leave I had um I think three months of podcast scheduled. So I boomeranged all the emails to the guests so that they still got an email from me on the day that the podcast went out. Um, not because I wasn't on emails at all, but just because I wouldn't have remembered because I was so sleep deprived and brain fog, <laughs> you know, baby fog yeah. that at least then I knew that they got their email. They had that contact with me. And then when they replied, I could reply in real time, but it's great. There's lots of ways that that can help make business a little bit easier, you know, doing that. Um, what do they call that, like balking task, the time mm. blocking um, and having things go out throughout the week as you want them to. Oh, you're so organized. I Yeah, I'm not at all, but um, <laughs> I should really be using, because you just hit on something that I am not utilizing. I have Boomerang and I've never thought to uh, Boomerang my emails to the podcast guests because I do yeah. that beforehand anyway. Oh, such a good idea. Yeah, it, um, just hilariously, I'm like way more organized for other for my clients than I am for myself. <laughs> but maybe I just use up all that part of my brain for other people. But I mean, I've spoken to other people who do this kind of work, and it's like I would never procrast- I would never sit there and like twiddle my thumbs and waste a time that a client is um, paying me for. So it's really easy to bust through like writer's block and stuff. It just you don't get the same blocks. But then when I'm doing my own work, and other people say this for themselves as well, um, yeah, I can't I can't bring that level of efficiency. I can. <laughs> Um, justify you know the procrastination the Instagram strolling the the writer's block when it's for my own stuff (laughs) I think that's pretty natural (laughs) I think so yeah so where can everybody find you online 
So um, mostly I hang out on Instagram, sarahstars underscore, and that's S-T-A-R-R-S. Um, I do have a witchy mama's lifestyle blog called ofthemoon.co.uk, or if you go to sarahstars.com, um, I haven't updated that blog in a long time, but it also has all the information about working with me as a VA. Um, and also, if you have any questions about becoming a VA or um, what it's like to hire a VA, I don't have any space for new clients myself, but I'm really happy to talk you through, like, you know, what a VA might be able to help do for you. And if, um, if I know someone who does that kind of work who has openings, I'll totally refer them because I think it could be great to get someone who's known and liked and trusted rather than it's a little bit, it's always an emotional experience mm. um, when ha- someone's hiring a VA for the first time and handing over part of their business. I think most of us are used to being total control freaks and getting to do it all. So yeah, if you can always get a referral, that's great. And I'm really happy to talk to anyone who that might be helpful for. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoy it. You can get in touch with me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Lucy Lee Craft. I'd love you to leave a review for the show if you have time. All of the information that we chatted about in this episode is in the show notes. You can find everything at lucyleecraft.com forward slash podcast. See you next week. Oh, 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 oh,